0: Welcome to this edition of Catch Up with Touch. I'm your host, Dr. Ronnie Sims. I'm so glad you're here today. I've really enjoyed doing these podcasts. I've had some amazing guests on, and I've met some incredible chiropractors, heard some amazing stories, learned so many nuggets that I've applied to my own practice, and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to host this. I wanna thank Touch for the spirit behind this, I believe Chiro Touch's intent here is to come alongside chiropractors, not just their clients, just to support them, to give them some leadership training, to really begin to speak into uh, what some of these practitioners have done in the world and how we can learn from those that have gone before us and how we should all remain lifelong students. And so today, in that spirit, um, during my journey, I've met some amazing chiropractors And the guy I have on with me today, Dr. Tracy Wilson out of Lubbock, Texas, is is one of a kind. This guy has got a huge heart uh, for his family, for his community, and really for the world if you really look at Tracy's work, which he's going to tell me about here in a second. But hey, Doc, welcome on, man.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: I've been kind of researching you and looking at you, but I'd really like you to tell our listeners a little bit about your Cairo story, and then I have a few little questions I'd like to hit you with.
1: Yeah, no problem. So I started out as a, um, as a patient. I, that was where my journey began. I, um, I, was a, I was a seventh grade kid playing on a house in New Mexico. My brother and I, were we, you know, we didn't get much snow in southern New Mexico and it snowed and we were sledding off the back of our house. And we made this big old pile of stuff and we'd jump onto it. And uh, we were so excited. And I toppled the wrong way and I went down the front of the house and hit the edge of my mom's truck. And so I really injured my back. And my mom took me to a chiropractor. Um, she had had a previous bad experience with one and um, had, had said, swore she'd never go, but but I was hurt. And so she ended up taking me. And I went to the chiropractor. And I found out that I had either caused then or before a spondylisthesis and um, started getting care, um, which kind of resolved. A lot of my back trouble I was going with, but when I, when I was severely was a severe asthmatic suffering kid, um, couldn't run for first base, to second base. I couldn't do all this. I was I loved baseball. Actually, I actually had a really big skill at it. Um, I I went on to play college ball, and I went on to try out for the Cleveland Indians. It wasn't my wasn't my gig. God called me to be a chiropractor, so that's what I'm doing. But um, I had this great time with this hand-eye coordination in my life with with being a baseball player. But it all started because I I had this experience with chiropractic and it gave my, my life back in through breathing. I, I literally couldn't breathe to save my life. And so through all of that, um, I just, I had this in, incredible um, passion for chiropractic at a young age. I just, I went every single week. Um, I started mowing yards to pay for my care. When the chiropractor found out I wanted to be a chiropractor, I wrote a, I wrote a research paper that year. I didn't really write a research paper, that's such a, a BS. I copied brochures this is before the software was created. I just got go. out of his office and I just wrote up a bunch of stuff. and um, Ingenuity, so, man. Ingenuity. Yeah. I, I said, I want to be a chiropractor. So then I, I went on, uh, went on from there. Um, and I applied to chiropractic I was in hi, high school and, um, the application, you know, obviously said, you need to go to college first, you get your undergraduate, but we'd love, we'd love, you know, we love your initiative. And so it kind of sent that back to me. And and I thought, well, crap. If I'm going to be, a, if I'm going to be, a, I mean, if I'm gonna be a doctor, I might as well be a real doctor, right? In my head. All right. And uh, so I started going down the pre-med pathway, playing baseball. And baseball didn't work out. ROTC didn't work out. They dropped me because I had a history of asthma, but it radically stopped. I tried to explain to my chiropractic. And kid, you not, um, I did what every good college kid does when his life direction is: I got drunk and smoked with one of my best friends. <laughs> woke up to a song playing and. and and it was these three little birds and i opened the door these three little birds on the porch didn't fly away and i just knew i was supposed to do that one hour later fabrizio mancini who's the assistant to the to jim parker calls me and says hey i'm the assistant you know i always tell the story i said i'm the assistant to parker college i'm calling if you know fab he just has this great colombian oh accent. yeah beautiful so, accent. <clears throat> he uh, he was the assistant at the time he calls and so i i go to visit and i'm standing in the neuro lab and i just said you know chiropractic was choosing me. I was, it was, it was just one of those things. And so it's that time where we all have where it's just kind of the moment, you know, you're going to do this. And so, um, I went into it and I, and I always had this great backstory, but it was just such a, a lightning bolt shooting out of your butt experience, you know, going through school there. And about halfway through school, my daughter was born and she was, you know, we were in a hospital. This was way before any type of pediatric certifications or ICPA or anything was going on. And um, um, we didn't know what to do. She was in ICU, she wasn't breathing. But I remember, you know, Michael Hall from a neural lab was talking about this, this subluxation and this function and, and something in my spirit was tugging me. I'm in school long enough to spell neurology, most of the time chiropractic. And, and all of a sudden I'm being, I've got this child with this really severe problem in ICU for nine days. Hmm. So we check her out of ICU, take her to a pediatric chiropractor. I literally had to sign her life away. Um, I was young, I was scared. Um, but I was somehow weirdly confident that something on the other side of this adjustment was going to change. Hmm. So I, I took her to the pediatric chiropractor, and then my first problem happened. It was hard to find. You know, it was just like you open, you open the book at that time. You had yellow pages, and it was lightning bolt advertising, but seven signs and wonders, all these things, and nothing about life, and function, and vitality. But I met. But I got a referral. I went to a guy, knocked twice, winked once, got in the door. And um, sure enough, he adjusted her. She was on a monitor at the time, sleep apnea monitor. And um, the monitor normalized right in front of her eyes. And I knew I, I was in the right profession for the right reasons. And um, that little girl is 27 years old today. And she is, um, she's a light of our lives. She's, she's a foster and adopted a little girl. She's uh, birthed another little boys, we have two grands from her and and her life has meant the world to us and she's made impact after impact after impact which would have never been the case had she never got that first adjustment and hmm. so i see my i see my legacy my thought my life my purpose through that lens um if one kid today you know our efforts our thoughts our social media presence or whatever it is is built to meet that one kid who's in struggle and suffering who we have the capability of changing their life and uh So we've put our life work to that, and and everything that we've done has been through the lens of there are hundreds, if not thousands, of Summer Wilsons sitting somewhere within miles of us. Um, As we're having this conversation, there's somebody who's going to the emergency room right now with an asthma attack, just like I would have, and they're getting drugs, and they have no idea what we do. There's another mom who just lost their child in an ICU somewhere in this country, probably within 100 miles of us. And... That didn't know that we, we were an option that's right and so um you know i just press our team and i press myself i press you know i i i work out four days a week i not because i love to work out because i want to do this as long as i possibly can
0: that's right
1: and so i want to be able to lean over that table with fitness and with with life and vitality and so um you know i i love junk food i do. <laughs> i can't live on it and so right, right. And so it's those things right i just but the lens always comes back um, to pediatrics and just knowing that there are people in this world that are suffering dramatically. And so um, we, in fact, one of the craziest things, I, I'm sure you've experienced this too. Um, we, we, we have done a lot of things over the years to put the message out, but, but about five years ago, we went all in on social media. And we kind of saw this thing and said, man, our first handshakes are gonna happen The half of our first handshakes. There's gonna be referrals. But we did, so we started doing these things, and now we're doing more. Um, Anyway, we have a reel that's been posted eight days ago, and as of right now, it's got over 15 million views, um, almost 90-something thousand likes, um, thousands of comments, Um, some have been removed because they're not very nice, but a lot of them. um, But here's the thing, almost 7,500 people sharing the message with somebody else, and you think about something that took us less than 30 seconds to do in our office that's reaching 7,500 people that 15 million people have viewed and 98,000 people have found that. Have found that. Now, I, I don't know what those metrics are, but that's freaking amazing. That is amazing. So we'll, we'll take yeah. some trash from that. And we, we're just consistently pushing that boundary what it would be. Very tastefully, very, you know, in, in, our, in our version of what Chiropractic is. Um, but, man, it, it's been so amazing to see just what cool can happen out of the reach of where our social world is today. So beautiful. You know, that, as I listen to you, I think that, that
0: that's a pretty big why, right?
1: Yeah, that's okay. a
0: pretty big, that's an awesome thing to anchor your life to. And I get your point, how, why would, why would you step away while you physically can? And, and, you know, how you get used by the, the good Lord and, and you just do your thing. But um, I love how it's tied to your daughter And so that legacy for you is is pretty cool because what you've shown is through the new world, you can influence people in a positive way toward chiropractic halfway around the world, you know? And and so you look outside the walls of your office, that that vision. So I guess my question within that, because there's a lot of docs on the call that right now might be stuck on like, what is my vision and where do I go? And then they hear what you just said, you know, it's like kind of, it blows your hair back a little bit, right? to have the faith and the courage to take your child to a, a pediatric chiropractor or for somebody to bring their child to you and to trust you, despite all the negativity out there that's not true. And so you, you have such a big why and you're tied to that why. And so for that doctor out there, two things, I know for you that came early, right? Yeah. It came really early and that's uh, powerful how, how that happened. And to be the benefactor of that and not waste it is a life well spent, right? Yeah. You've taken that gift and you've used it in your help and you you got people around you. So two questions. One is becoming somebody who gets out of the office walls, not just through social media, though, through public speaking. I know you've spoken around the world. So first of all, how important is that? Second thing I kind of felt in there was you're not doing this alone. you got a pretty good team helping you out, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So speak into both of those. And then I got a couple other uh, questions I'm sure will come out of that.
1: Community, Yes. So when I got out of Parker, um, you know, it was 25 years ago. It's, it's starting my 26th year, um, which is insane to think. But um, when, I, when I got out, I, 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 uh, did, I, I just remember a guy saying something one time from Parker stage. And he says, no one's going to drive by because you hung a shingle out, decide to spend money with you. And I just thought about that. I thought, yeah, it's really true. And I even though I didn't understand what hang a shingle out, I mean, I, I kind of got the idea, put a sign up and said, I'm oh, a chiropractor and everybody's gonna come running. And and I took my internship seriously. And I took my internship seriously enough that I wanted to run it like I'd run a practice. And what I realized is that I I was really good at what I did, but there was a there was a gap, like there was a gap in people's knowledge and, and thought process. And so I saw early on that I did this. And here's what's funny. When I was a kid and I had been helped by asthma, I used to climb up to this space. And I get really frustrated. I don't know if anybody remember doing this as a kid. You get really frustrated at your parents because they whip your butt for something you well deserved. But I'd run up this space and I'd just look out. I remember one day I closed my eyes and God just showed me a vision: stand on the stage with people in front of me. And I didn't know what it meant. I had no idea what it meant. I just thought that's weird. It's way weird. I didn't, I didn't even know what I saw actually. In fact, I didn't, I didn't even know what I saw. I just saw it, and I was like, answer. Hmm, and it just kind of kept reoccurring in these little moments in life. And, um, and I get asked to, um, when I get to the town, I just thought, no one's gonna know who I am unless I get involved. So I get involved in the Rotary Group. I get involved in the chamber. Um, small town, they're hungry for people. They're hungry for speakers. Would you speak at this? And absolutely. I get up and tell the story and I get up and tell these things. And I just started getting into rhythm. And at the time, Mark Victor Hansen was probably somebody I had heard multiple times. And I realized that Mark Victor Hansen's a good speaker, but what Mark Victor Hansen was good at was storytelling. And, and so I realized if I could be a good storyteller, then I then I could, then I could deliver a message, but it's really about telling a story. I want to tell a story about chiropractic, but what I need to do is tell a series of stories that lead someone through an experience in their mind that would be almost that they could see as a movie. And I just began to really try to perfect this idea of stories. And so I became a good storyteller. And if I could link story to story or I could leave a story open and get to another one. Um, I just saw it as I just need to get this four-sided box and put a bow on it by the time I was done and I need to open it. I need to have some juice in the middle and I need to close it and, and then just stick a bow right on the opportunity, it was the opportunity for them to make a decision in their life that could change it. And so, um, I just began to think about that. And, and when I opened my practice, I did 45 talks in 45 days. Now, listen, sometimes it was to two people. Sometimes it was to 20 But sometimes I didn't have many patients in the first 45 days. So what did I fill my time with? Meeting people. And I just went out and I just said, hey, I give these talks. And sometimes I talk to two people as secretaries. Sometimes I talk to the whole fire department. But I just put myself into an arena that no one's going to know who I am unless I go tell them. And it wasn't long till I was in the chamber. It wasn't long until I became chamber president. It wasn't long until I was rotary president, same year, by the way, uh, president of two organizations, running these things, meeting people, shaking hands, kissing babies, the whole thing. And I got a front page article that says he's enthusiastic. And it was this whole article about this young chiropractor who's blowing up the town, making changes, involved. And it got sent from one of my patients to the college. And so I get a phone call from Jim Parker that says, "Would you like?" And that's a that's a by the way, this is the president of the school you go to, right? And I'm in mean, my first year graduating, and again I'm thinking, "Oh sh! Nikes, did my did my diploma not go through? Did I, did <laughs> I do something? like I got oh, nervous." No. And so I uh, I thought, "What is it? Because I need you to come back and speak to college. Would you come back and speak to an assembly?" And I was like, I, I, "I've been to a lot of assemblies. I don't know if I have anything to say to the to students because he I hear you have a lot to say. Why don't you just tell them what you've been doing?" And so I get up and I do this thing. And, and so he comes off. He's he coming to my office. He said, we do a thing called serendipity. And it's to get future speakers because you have that talent. And I looked at him. I said, for Parker Seminars? He says, "Yep." Yeah. He said, I want you to be here in April and put you on the stage. And I was like, "That was not like, can you be here in April? Uh, does that work in your schedule? Yeah. Um, do you have the money? Which I didn't. I mean, can do you have enough money for the hotel room? No, I just graduated. No, I don't have anything. But opportunity shows up in a lot of weird faces, and so I was like, "Yes, I'll be here." And I show up, and and what was really strange is my buddies who I went to school with were sitting on the front row heckling me. And I, and I was telling them, like, guys, like, this is a serious moment for me. Like, you know, you've always taken your speaking a little bit more serious than all of us. So we'll be good. But it was it was one of those things. And I spoke and then I got invited. And, and so for the next 17 years, um, I traveled all over the place with Parker doing that. And I just I got the opportunity. You know, I just got an opportunity. And, and so then we did cash practice in pediatrics. And it really just all stirred from the story that I shared. And, and, and God just laid this in my life for, um, for a lot of great reasons. Um, you know, through challenges comes growth and, and that growth gives you opportunity. And because that opportunity showed up, I just made sure that, and when I went, the Dr. Ashley, who I started with, had been in practice for 42 years. He took care of everyone in town except for kids. And so when I saw that opportunity, I went after the whole kid market, which he had no interest in. He'd been, he's too old, done it too long. He does not want to mess around with them. I was young, and I said, this is who I want to serve. And so I developed programs to go into schools. I developed relationships with all the people who made decisions. I developed relationships with the nursing. I was speaking inside of the schools, um, ADHD and, and, and sensory issues way before it was cool to do so. Um, and so it was just one of those things that we just, we just kind of just used a gift that, that I didn't even know I had. Um, mm-hmm. Until one time I was at Parker, and the image I saw as a kid was the image I saw in front of me. And I realized what I was being set for. And so <clears throat> I can't take a lot of credit for where I'm at, other than maybe the, the obedience just to follow um, what was put in front of me.
0: That's beautiful. I love that word, too, that that's a, a true servant is obedient to a call on their heart. And that's been clear in your life. And I, I love how you, you, you know, really telling the modern doctor that you guys still do these things. Maybe it's in a different format, but. You yeah. haven't stopped doing these things.
1: And yeah, I mean, think that's so, great because
0: I, yeah. so many doctors now are afraid to get outside their walls and to get out in the community and to go to groups and and, and and yet they sit back, like you said, hang the shingle and think, gosh, why is my practice not taking off as I expected it to? You know, uh, build it and they will come. And and I just love how you got outside your walls and now you're creating it with a digital platform and all that. So um, back to the story of you know, how you've done this, you've been blessed, you know, you, you haven't taken that blessing lightly, you diligently wake up and, and, and go and serve, but how important has building your teams during those seasons been for you? Because I know you can't do that alone. What's, what's that look
1: like? Because I know, you know, you start,
0: know teams change.
1: Yeah, oh, teams change over the years a lot. And so um, I'll give credit to Martini. I listened, I got a chance to go through a breakthrough experience with him. Um, and when one thing I walked away with um, was really powerful, was a process in which he built his teams. Um, and I, I made it mine, and I, I'll i give my version of it. But it was just, what do you value? What are you really good at? What, what do you want to do in your life that you're really good at? And so I, get, I did some homework once that was recommended in this format. It was like, What happens every day in the office? Now, this is hard for me. It wasn't easy for me to do this, but I I sat down and penciled out every single thing I could possibly think of that happened inside of an office. And I came up with 98 things at the time. It's like taking messages, picking up the mail, like like everything I could think of at the time. And uh, I came up with the 98 things. And then I asked myself, put a star by everything that you love to do and you're good at. So that that was a really tricky thing. I love it and I'm good at it. And so I found seven things I loved, but Ooh. I only found three I was good at, that I, if I identified I was good at. Well, that leaves 95 things on that list that someone else needs to be good at and love. And so what I reverse engineered was I reversed and engineered through personality training and, and, and communication, which um, now a lot of people use, but this is, this, is, this is 25 years ago. I learned it in a marriage class. I thought, if it works in marriage, it could got to work in these because it's still a relationship. So I just backtracked and said, what if someone loved that role so much? So we began to take the skill sets and put them in the natural abilities. And we call the job descriptions. And, um, and so I would map a reverse engineer to mapped out that based on personality typing. And so then we would go and hire people that were that type of person, do those type of roles. So they could love it, feel great about it as well. And that has been a formula that has worked dramatically well for me um, over all the years. And so um, I think the thing, though, is even though they're doing a the job they love and even though they're doing something they're, they're naturally good at, there's always the things they're not. And it's the things that keeps us going. The thing that you said, I've had bad days. I've had bad reviews. I've had bad, you know, a patient didn't go well. We've all had that stuff. And what keeps you going is your why. It was that, that's what wakes you up. That's what puts you to bed. That's what, that's what wakes you up in the middle of the night. And if you don't sleep well, you still go to the office. You don't wimp out. You don't go. I'm tired. You just you just grind and serve because because that why is inside of you. And so the greatest challenge with teams is making sure the why is inside of them. That's right. And so we 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 call it a software installation. Um, and I think we've had seasons of really doing this well, and we've had seasons of not doing it well. But the seasons that I do it well are the seasons that I can install that why in them, um, and, and I'll tell you, like, we, we have a new hire. And she's like, you know, I, I listen to your video. I listen to your stuff. It's fluffy. Like, it's like, it's out there. She's well, like, but what I'm learning is you're the real deal. Like, this is the, like, she's worked for endo, endodontics and she's worked, she came from the dental world. And she's like, those doctors are all about the finances. She's like, you're all about the people. Like, and it's my job to take care of the finances. She's like, so I'm hired to work in my gift of taking care of the finances and you stay out of it. Like, you just want to see the people. And I said, that's my gift. I'm staying in my lane and you stay in your lane. I'll I'll never ask you to come back and adjust somebody and don't ask me to come do your job. So you do your job really well and we're going to have a great team. So... Part of it is identifying them and getting a culture installed. And I think that's, that is probably the secret sauce for any office that is doing it well, is when p- those people are waking up and thinking about the same mission that you think about every day. And that means something different for people and, and, and different seasons. You know, I, I probably have um, 20 employees that were ex-employees um, that for some reason had a kid, needed insurance, whatever they might do over the years, they changed out, but they're still patients in this office. That's right. That's right. And it's amazing because the staff always goes, it's amazing how many people that, that used to work for you still are friends with you. And they, they like, they, they live this life and, and many of them give you credit to how they raised their kids. how they done And I'm like, listen, we're, we're a culture building team. We must build it inside of ourselves first. And then we build inside of the practice space. And, and that leads to deep integration inside your team, and at least deep integration in your referral base. And it's, and it's those relationships that have been with us for 20, 25 years um, that speaks volumes to anything that we do. That is brilliant. I, I too have experienced that
0: where you tie your team to the purpose on a regular basis, where you're regularly dipping them into what that looks like and re- redefining for yep. them that, look, you might not be the one <clears throat> releasing interference in the adjustment area, you might be the one helping their finances be in control, that they don't have any you know, issues there or that their referrals can get seen or that they get to workshops, whatever we do. Um, is, How do you celebrate with them to remind them that they're an integral part of that, that they really are a big part of that?
1: So as when I told my story baseball, um, I still I, I don't watch much baseball, but I, I love the game. And when I watch it, I analyze it way too much. And and uh, I think I think I always said I'd either I'd either want to be a chiropractor, a coach or a trauma surgeon. Those would be the only things I think would, would just ever excited me. And I'm just glad I'm a chiropractor, but but I, I have an inner coach in me that, that would love it. And so we give a game ball and I I took a baseball, wrote game ball, wrote GHC on the back of it, logoed it all up, had a lot of fun with it. And every single week we go, we start our team meeting with wins. What's our wins? And this is the chance that everyone can brag on everyone and then layer down through the practice. Um, But somebody will leave that team meeting with a game ball. And so whatever has happened through the week, and sometimes we give it to the team and said, this is a team win this week, man. There's, there's just no standouts this week. You all perform well. Um, but but I, I listen, and then I add, and then we just take away somebody who's performed extraordinarily. Um, and, and maybe they did something really well. Like we had this last week, we we're we having our new team member that's just done incredible well with auditing care plans. Um, and, she's, and so she's gonna get game ball tomorrow. Nice. She's gonna get it, so I already know it. Um, and it's, it's going to be on my win. Um, I've just watched it. Uh, she's done really, really well. There's other times I have a pretty good idea who's going to get it, uh, but we hand that out every week. Uh, we try to do quarterly celebrations where, um, and we do monthly dinners. Um, if we do something really well, we go out to monthly dinners. Um, I love wine. Um, I've gotten into it over the years. I've just become pretty snobby about it. Um, we have members of a lot of places in Napa and uh, places all over the world. Um, and we have, some, we have a great wine cellar, great stuff. And so they see this stuff coming in um, and they, they have their thoughts of what things cost, I get it, you know, but that's okay, that's, that's, that's my value system. Right. But it's fun to break that open, I cook for them, open something that they, they'll never taste in their life. And um, they're, not, they're not gonna pay for this kind of wine. And so um, it's fun to open that up and teach them about it, give them a little experience at our house. And my wife is always fantastic for doing that. And so we open our homes or open a restaurant that has bottle service. We can bring some great stuff. And um, so we celebrate that way. And sometimes we just go out and do stuff together. Uh, we just go to the, you know, we, we, the last one, we went to a little golf place. Those little, um, you just whack it out in the middle of nowhere. And there's little digital images where it goes. Yeah. Like a top golf. Yeah. Top golf, four golf, those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we did that and just, you know, paid for all the, all the food and all the drinks. And, you know, it's, it's, it's 300 bucks and it's a, it's a night full of fun. And they, they, they have a hoot. We all laugh. We all get to learn somebody who's got really good talents. Like the, one of our new girls, we had no idea. She had a beautiful golf swing. Uh, didn't know she used to play it a lot. And one of them had never swung golf club before and was it by the end of the night was having fun. So those kind of things that just deepen your relationship, get you knee to knee um, sharing stories, sharing history, sharing time, sharing laughs, uh, break down those barriers a little bit. It um, they, they really, really goes a long way uh, for team culture. I love that. Thank you for that. A lot of docs are
0: at that place in their life where they're, they're just ready to exit. Um, but for the younger docs, like a lot of those guys aren't prepared for that. And their practice isn't worth what they thought it was. And so as far as just finances, what can you say to somebody who still has time, to start investing, putting money aside, using self-control, yeah. you know. Um, speaking of that as we close this.
1: So listen, every financial person, every financial book is gonna give you some very sound advice, right? And it's, and it's that you gotta put something away on a regular basis that you're not emotionally attached to. And there are tons and tons of tools to do that. There are tons of means to do it. Um, for me personally, I'm not a big market street person. I'm just, I, I don't love the market. I don't love Wall Street. It's just, I don't understand it. Um, it stresses me more than excites me. And so I don't do it. I just don't do anything that gets into that. I've had some money markets over the year that might have, have dabbled in some of the, 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 the high stock dollars. But when I learned that those are the same ones that are selling drugs and selling fetuses for others, I, I, I'm out. And so for me, morally, I just got out of it. I just don't wanna be any part of it at any small level, big level, anything at that thing. Just for me, I wanna go sleep at night with that. I found mine in whole life insurance and I found mine. And this is before Garrett Gunnarsson hit the ground on his stuff. I just had a guy tell me about it. And so years and years ago, I started doing it. Um, there's a book called Become Your Own Banker. And I read it. It made sense to me. Um, and I did it. I do two things with $1. Give my family $5. It's, it's expensive product. You're paying that broker a lot. Um, so that's why people don't like it. Your term is cheap. But but at the same token, it forces my hand. And, and that's what I needed. I needed something to force my hand. So um, I never liked IRAs, just the idea of being in, in bed with the government didn't make sense to me. And then when Garrett came out with his Killing Sacred Cows book, I was like, man, that was cool. I felt that before I even read it. Um, so that was cool because I wasn't in that, in that game. Uh, at the time, my wife was went, had an account that her company had done. Uh, we ended up cashing, doing some other things with it, just took the penalty and just got out of it before the penalty hit us later in life. So that was our choice. Uh, but the, what, what really made sense to me is when you reverse engineer your life, and I think at a young age, you really don't know. Um, where we are now, uh, we have a pretty good idea of the, of the monthly income that we need and we want. And uh, those, are, those are different things. And so um, we, we have a need base. Uh, we have, you know, the, our need base now is different than what it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, man, we were, I mean, I, re- I remember, I remember being so hungry That I was, I was working. I worked six days a week for two years, and um, I, I did anything I could to meet people and get them under care and and get get my get my passion going. And I was at a, I was at a reverse swap um, percentage at that time. I mean, I was only taking home forty percent of what I was doing, um, and no money if I didn't do anything. Like, like I made nothing if I did nothing. Then forty percent all the way to ten thousand, and then fifty after ten thousand. And I had to write the check to him. So you got to think about writing that. Make ten thousand dollars, you write six thousand dollars check away. That, that was that was painful, <clears throat> but but he had ran the practice, he had done it. I realized that's where that youngness in me was realizing that. Welcome to real life, because that's you're gonna you're gonna put payroll and taxes and everything else and building and cost and supplies and everything that was in that place didn't just show up magically. There's a cost base right. to that, and so if you can run that kind of practice for a while, and so it was a great lesson for me. And when I started out, I just really I, I really tied, tried really hard keep myself in that 50, 60% profit margin. And so we just drove a really hard line in the business side of it. I just got, I got a little bit more, um, you know, business smart. I just wanted to be smart with that. And then over the years, I can I can say, I mean, we we spent more since 2020 and 2021 in wine than I've ever spent. Um, <laughs> but we had fantastic years and we and we were super successful and that's what we want to invest in. Um, and I, I use the word invest lightly. Um, it's an invest into an experience, more an invest into some, some kind of future dollar I'm gonna sell that bottle of wine away. But we also have properties. Um, I understood properties a long time ago and I realized if I had something someone else was paying down, um, it'd be like me having a 401k and someone else paying for it. Or I had an investment again, someone else paying for it. So property just made sense to me. And so we invested in a lot of properties and um, now we're on the end where some of those are paid off and many more are gonna be paid off soon. And so those are net incomes coming back to us, less taxes and insurance. And so we we are in that game so that we have the mailbox money coming in. So our exit strategy is that I, but it all started with this vision. I wondered what it would be like to give my practice away and not to have to sell my practice. What would it be like to, to put someone in a position to walk in and just take over and take that threat base off? What if I could build something so iconic that I could pass it on Maybe to one of my kids, or maybe something there. What would it be like? I don't know if I'm going to do it, but what would it be like? Yeah. What would I? What would I need to earn somewhere else? And how could I? How could I earn something somewhere else using some other talent, some other skill? And so, multiple streams of income made sense to me. Um, uh, I, I did a lot of that over the years. I took, I, I paid for college with a lot of my speaking dollars and products that we built early on. I had a cash practice kit, a personality kit. We did all kinds of stuff. Um, in fact, we sold almost 8,500 personality kits in six different languages. Um, lots of stuff that all went back into their college funds and wedding funds. And, and so we just took all these little pieces and said, what would it What would it be like? And I think it starts with that question. What would it be like if I could do that? What would it be like if I could drink a $100 bottle of wine and not think about it? What would it be like? And there was a season in my life I thought, only dumbasses drink a $100 bottle of wine, <laughs> right? It was a season. I thought that. And now I'm like, I see why people do that. And so it starts with the question, what would it be like if I could fund that? What would it be like if I didn't have a question? Now, we, did we set hard boundaries for our kids? Yeah. Did every kid work through high school pay for gas? Yeah. Did every kid, um, did they get a set limit for their college fund? Yeah. And so we, we gave them the same rules. I challenged each kid to save $10,000 before they graduate high school. Like, you're living in my house. I'm paying for your stuff. Why can't you pay for yours? Right. So um, he did, and and every kid did it. And so, my, my son, just he he's he's 19 now, and he graduated 18. You know, it was fifteen thousand dollars saved. He invested ten of it um, on the two days after he turned 18. He invested ten of it in the stock market because he he loves it, and he wanted to see what it would do to invest in money at 18 years old. And I said, man, if you if you keep going down this path, goes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because I'm I'm because I'm I'm gonna be so much more wealthy than you are. And I'm like, do it, man. Just go do it because you're starting yeah. so much earlier than I did. So yep. it's the same pattern that we've all heard. It's not hard. Um, for me, I think forced is better. Um, a mortgage kind of forces you to pay it. You buy a rental out. They kind of, they kind of come get after you if to go pay it. Um, and so those, those, those forced investments are just, this uh, to me, that's the key.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. That's a great, and everybody's story is different with finance. But there's principles that are interwoven through your story with other yeah. stories. So I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, that'll motivate some young docs. Um, it might say it might make some docs on the call feel like, oh, you know, I wish I'd have done a better job at that. And so, even for those guys, it's never too late to start, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, there's. I just start right off. I mean, we had we had, we had to pay for things early on. My first ten years, I don't know that we saved more than twenty thousand dollars. I mean, I'm yeah. telling you, we we yeah. just we had we we sp- I, I paid off my student loans. I, I we bought a house. We Upgrade our life. We did all the things that a lot of people tell you not to, and uh, and it wasn't. It was. It was really the last fifteen years that we've we've really done our accumulation. Uh, well, and
0: it's but, a beautiful story because it really all goes back to what you said to open our time together about your why. When you began to cultivate the soil and the way that you cultivated early on, and same for me. As we do this longer, we begin to reap the harvest. And I love your vision of giving your practice away. I'm gonna keep that one of my prayers, buddy, for you. But um, yeah. hey, overall, I wanna thank you for this. This has been really uh, fun spending time with you. I-, I see having you on as a regular, if you don't mind, because I think of the chiropractors you're helping right now with this. So I really appreciate you, Tracy, for doing this. And I also yeah, wanna to tell Touch, I appreciate you for hosting this. Um, I love I love the spirit behind this, and um, I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to host this because I've been a benefactor. Uh, right now, my I was taking some notes on stuff you were saying. Um, I love the game ball. That that's a that's a good one, man. I'm, I I give different gifts away, but I'm a baseball guy too. But that was great, and I look forward to getting to know you in the future and sharing some good wine together. Yeah. And once again, I want to thank you, and I want to thank Cairo Touch. And most of all, for, for those docs out there, time spent on personal development is never time wasted, and the world needs you at your best right now. We need chiropractors to step it up. It's our time, potentially, to step into that fold. People are confused. People need us right now. And um, and, and so, again, uh, we're behind this, and chirotech is behind this. So, once of all, take care of yourself. Make sure you're getting adjusted, and have
1: an amazing day. We'll see you soon, okay?